Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I want to read four short verses Job 41 11. God is speaking. He says, Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. Everybody say everything. I looked that up in the Hebrew. It means everything. <laughs> Psalm 24, 1, David is speaking. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Haggai 2, 8. When is the last time I preached from Haggai? God is speaking. He says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Finally, Deuteronomy 8, 18, God is speaking. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Again, if you're a guest today, This is not a grab it and blab it church. This is not a prosperity gospel church. We just live for God every day. We just live in obedience. And uh, we're trying to obey his word. And so my subject today I would like to entitle, Is Money Spiritual? Is Money Spiritual? Now I got to tell you today, if you don't think God is going to move because I'm preaching on finances and stewardship today. You got another thought coming because the Lord is in it. I'm telling you, the Lord is in it and he has a word for us today. So everybody that's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time while I'm preaching may be seated. Amen. Amen. God has this thing. He thinks he's God. He walks around like he owns the place. And we have this thing. We walk around like we think we own the place and everything in it. So at the very beginning, let's get this straight or nothing else will fall into place. Are you ready? God owns everything. We own nothing. Can I have a better amen? Everything we have comes from his hand to us. Everything in our possession has simply been entrusted to us by God. You are God's managing partner. You are God's CFO. You didn't know you were so important, did you? Smile, throw your shoulders back, puff out your chest, turn to somebody and say, I'm a CFO. That's what I'm talking about. That's right. That's amazing. He's the owner, but you write the checks. You can tell how old I am. Does anybody write checks anymore? He's the owner. You're the manager. He's the owner. You get to make all the financial decisions. He's the owner. You're the spender. 
deal. He lets you set your salary. He lets you decide if you want bonuses or not. He lets you draw from his wealth to pay your bills. He lets you make the decisions about what to do with discretionary funds. What an arrangement. What a partnership. You and God totally built on mutual trust. Don't think for one minute that God is not going to move at the close of my message today because I'm preaching about money. Don't tighten up like a clam. Come on. This is it. This is where it's all at. It doesn't get any more spiritual than this. It doesn't get any more godly. It doesn't get any more holy. And I'm going to tell you why. Your bank statement is a theological document. Man, I'm going to start taking notes on myself right now. You think about that. Your bank statement is a theological document because it tells us if you're a Christian or not. Your bank statement will tell us if you're God's partner or not. Your bank statement will reveal if you live like a believer or not. Or if you live like an unbeliever. Man, it's already hitting hard. It's already getting quiet. I'm going to smile all the way through this message today. Did you know that over a 40-year career, the median wage earner in this nation will have $2.5 million of wages passed through their hands? That's exciting. It's wonderful. Romans 14, 12 said when it's over and our days on earth have ended, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And someday God's going to ask me, he's going to ask you, what have we done with what he's placed in our hands? What he put in our garage? What's in our refrigerator? What's in our wardrobe? What's in our talent, our ability? God's going to ask us and we're going to give an account. And I got to tell you, I'm not afraid of that day. Come on, I, I, I'm not preaching guilt and condemnation today. I'm preaching joy and happiness and fulfillment. Come on, are we going to stand before God and say, Lord, we lived in obedience. We did everything we humanly possibly could. It wasn't very much, but we were faithful. And you took what we gave you and you multiplied it and you blessed it. I got to tell you, I'm not dreading standing at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm looking forward to that day because I've been serving God a mighty long time. I've been a giver my whole life since I started working with a minimum wage of a buck 62, praise God. And God has blessed and he's been faithful. And I want to be able to stand before God and give account. Your name is on God's account. You have unrestricted access to his resources. And as wonderful as that is, It also means that in any partnership, that account can be abused. We probably all know someone 
who went into a financial partnership or arrangement with another partner, who eventually took wrongful advantage of them and destroyed the partnership and the relationship. I know business people who got burned by their partners. Do you remember Bernie Madoff? He was the mastermind of the largest Ponzi scheme in American history. He admitted that he never legally invested any of his clients' money like he promised he would. But he deposited their money into his personal Chase Manhattan Bank. He built the American public and their trust for $64 billion. He was arrested and charged. He pled guilty to 11 felonies, federal felonies. He was convicted and sentenced to 150 years in prison. He apologized to his victims by saying, I've left a legacy of shame to my family and my grandchildren. This is something I will live with for the rest of my life. And he did. He died in prison 12 years later. And tragically, one of his sons, who was one of his business partners, soon after took his own life. So I'm asking you the question today. Is money spiritual? Look at the partnership Jesus had with one of his followers, Judas. Jesus gave Judas the job of CFO, chief financial officer. Isn't that cool? Yeah, we got partnerships right in the Bible. The Bible said that Judas kept the bag. Think about this. Judas accepted money from the house of God given to him by the priests Money that was sacred, that was holy, given by the common people. Jesus, Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a common slave. Thought he was getting away with it. Suddenly, it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. In the aftermath of the implications swirling around in his head, despite Jesus' best efforts to reach for him, Judas could not manage the guilt and the shame. And tragically, in a moment perhaps of insanity, he ended his life. I want to ask Jesus a question. Jesus, didn't you know that Judas was a thief? You're God. You knew everything. You still handed him the bag? You still let him manage yours and the disciples' collective offerings that they received and their resources that they pulled together? In fact, the Bible says in John 12, 6, that Judas, the CFO, had been stealing from Jesus, his CEO, for a long time. And Jesus never took the bag from him. He never said, you low down, dirty rascal, give me that bag, you loser. 
You haven't done one thing I've asked you to do. He let him keep it. He said, Judas, you're going to have to figure this out. You're going to have to either become my partner or you're going to pay the consequences for it. But I'm not going to take it from you. You're going to rise or fall with that bag in your hand. And I've come to preach to somebody today. God sent you a preacher to bring you into stewardship accountability with God. What are you doing with what God has placed in your hands? You are his CFO. I got to tell you, that's a privilege. That's an opportunity to partner. Can I tell you, he is the richest entity in all of the world. He said, the gold is mine. The silver is mine. I'm going to tell you something. If you need something today, if you're plugged into God, if you've got a relationship with him, if you're his CFO and partnership, I'm telling you, God has a way of blessing you. He can take good care of you. Come on, clap your hands if you're a testimony. Is money spiritual? How spiritual was it for Judas? Judas didn't lose his soul because of immorality or addiction or debauchery. But it was because he never conquered the use of wealth, money, and possessions. His attitude about these things and how he handled it is what destroyed his soul and robbed him of his eternity. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, give. By the way, Brother Terry Bennett gave an incredible lesson today on giving and receiving. He told the two best stories I've heard in the last 12 months. You need to go back and hear it if we have it. If we don't have it, we should have it. If we don't have it, ask Terry, he'll give it to you. It was awesome. Luke 6.38, give, it will be given to you. Wimpy, barely enough to cover the bottom of the barrel. No, good measure. That means honest. Press down. That's not how you get cereal in your boxes from the grocery store. You get them pressed down, but you don't get them running over. You get this big box of Honey Nut Cheerios. You open it up and about that much in the bottom. That's not how God does it. Press down, shaken together. He presses it down so he can put more in there and then presses that down so he can put more in there and then presses that down. Will God cause men to pour into your lap? For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured Back to you again. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 6. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Listen, I don't know a cheap God. I don't know a stingy God. I don't know what, you know, just, you know, he squeaks when he walks. He can make two nickels scream. I don't know that kind of a God. The God that I serve is generous. The God that I serve is abundant. Come on. Amen. He's a God of abundance. He didn't just make one flower. He didn't just make one tree. He didn't just make one animal. He didn't just make one kind of human being. When you look at creation, you're looking at the extravagance of God. And don't tell me that God can't bless you. Don't tell me that God can't multiply you. Don't tell me that God can't 
provide. Amen. Paul said, uh, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. 15% of everything Jesus said related to some aspect of finances. Jesus spoke more about wealth, money, and possessions than he did heaven and hell combined. Why? Because there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we handle resources that God has placed in our control. Can I have a good Baptist nod this morning? God bless all our Baptist brothers and sisters. We may try to disconnect our faith from our finances, but God's word says they're inseparable. Notice Luke chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 11, 13, and 14. When John the Baptist was asked, what is the fruit of repentance? He gave three answers. Verse 11, everyone should share their clothing and their food with the poor. Verse 13, tax collectors should not pocket extra money. Verse 14, soldiers should be content with their wages and don't extort others using your authority. Each answer that John gave relates to money and possessions. Every answer he gave about what is the fruit of spiritual transformation, how do we know that someone's life has been transformed, had to do with money. No one asked John about their bank accounts or how they spent their money. Their question was about how do we demonstrate change in our lives. Why didn't John say things like, well, if you've truly repented, you'll go to church twice a week and you'll be reading seven chapters a day in the Bible and you'll be praying three hours a day and fasting two days a week. No. John could not talk about spirituality and commitment to God without talking to people about how to get their money right. So I'm going to ask you again, is money spiritual? In Luke 19, 8, the moment Jesus called the vertically challenged Zacchaeus down from his perch in the sycamore tree and told him, he said, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. What's the first thing that flew out of Zacchaeus' mouth? Lord, here and now, I'll, I'll give half my position to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times. Jesus is probably thinking, wow, we haven't even finished the song service yet. And Zacchaeus is ready for the offering. <laughs> Jesus hadn't said a word about how crooked Zacchaeus was. When Jesus heard these words, he said, Zacchaeus, today. Salvation has come to your house. What's he saying? Zacchaeus, I know for a fact you got saved today. Why? Because you got your money right. You dethroned your God of stealing from people around you and your approach to wealth and money and possessions. It proves that your heart has been spiritually transformed. So I've come to ask you today, is money spiritual? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told the story of a rich man who spent all of his wealth on himself 
His plan was to tear down his barns and build bigger barns, store up more possessions for himself. Lord spoke and said, you're a fool. Luke 12, 20, this very night, your soul will be demanded from you. And then who will receive what you have prepared for yourself? The greatest proof of his lack of spirituality was that he was rich toward himself. But he was not rich toward God. Is money spiritual? When a young, wealthy ruler in the community came to Jesus and inquired about how to gain eternal life, Jesus did not tell him to go on a three-day fast and wait for a revelation. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said, sell your possessions, give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Jesus never told anyone else this. Why did he have to tell this young man this? Why was he so hard on him? You see, Jesus read his heart. He knew the young man was obsessed with money and wealth and treasure. But Jesus called him to something higher. He called him to heavenly treasures. Jesus knew that money and possessions were the young man's God. He realized that this man would not serve God unless he dethroned his money idol. But this casual seeker considered the price to follow Jesus too high. So when he walked away, he was sorrowful because he could not find a way to serve money and God. Is money spiritual? Smile and ask somebody that question. Is money spiritual? Everybody all right? Huh? No sooner is the church born on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and by chapter 4. People are bringing offerings and they're laying them at the apostles' feet. Am I in the book? Am I in the Bible? The apostles are receiving generous and extravagant and cheerful offerings to support the work that of the church that has just been born. Is money spiritual? In the next chapter, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead in church, struck down because they lied about their offering. Would the ushers please come back? <laughs> Is money spiritual? Matthew 6, 19, lay not up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves, this is Matthew 6, 20, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch this, for where your treasure is, your heart will there be there also. Your heart follows your treasure. I encourage you to give to support the Harveys today. Maybe somebody said, well, I wish I cared more about missions. Well, your heart will follow your treasure. If you start supporting missions, you'll start caring more about missions. If I uh, took out $10,000 in stock in Walmart... I can't tell you the last time I've been to Walmart. I'm not against Walmart, but it's, I'm a Dollar General guy now. It's just close, and smaller parking lot. And nothing's a buck 73. It's, you know, two bucks or a dollar. I like that. 
But if I took out $10,000 in Walmart stock, you know what's going to happen every morning? I'm going to be reading what's happened with Walmart stock. Why? Because my heart is following my treasure. You say, well, I wish I cared about the life church more. Well, why don't you start investing in what God is doing in the kingdom? I wish I cared about missions more. Well, why don't you start investing in the kingdom? I wish I cared about Bible quizzing and supporting children more and save our children. Well, start giving to it. Start investing in it because your heart will follow your treasure. Oh, Proverbs 23, 5. Look at this. Cast a glance at riches. Quickly, they're gone. They will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. What a picture. Next time you buy something, just imagine wings coming on the side of it and just flying off. You know, you buy your next car, you buy your house, you buy a pair of shoes. Oh, there they go. I got the biggest kick out of my brother-in-law's grandson. His name's Axel. And if Axel's opening his mouth, I'm all ears because Axel is like 11. But when he was five, his sister said, well, I better go downstairs and let the dog out. What are you going to do, Axel? He just put his hands behind his bed and behind his head in the bed. And he said, "Uh, I'm going to get up about 10 and go change the world. (laughs) I mean, Axel is awesome. And uh, a couple years ago, his grandpa sent me a video. Axel was out in the field. And he had this remote control, and he was excited. His dad had bought him a, 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 one of those uh, drones, one of, you know, with the double propellers on it. And he's all excited. Grandpa, are you ready? I'm, I'm going to release the drone. And so he released it. He hit it. That drone went, whoo! And we haven't seen it since. <laughs> it's up with the Chinese balloons somewhere. We don't know what happened to it. It just caught a thermal and was gone. And that's what Proverbs says. Just look at riches because they're just going to sprout wings and go. Imagine with me. You're alive at the end of the Civil War. You're living in the South, but you're a Yankee. You plan to move home as soon as the war is over. While you're in the South, you've been a successful business person. You've accumulated a lot of Confederate currency. Now suppose that for a fact, you know that the North is going to win the war and the end is imminent. What would you do with that Confederate money? If you're smart, there's only one answer. You would immediately cash in your Confederate currency for U.S. currency. That's the only money that's going to be worth anything once the war is over. Just keep enough to meet your short-term needs. As Christians, we are insiders. We have insider trader information. There is an eventual worldwide upheaval that will be triggered by the return of Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate insider trading tip, people. Earth's currency will become worthless once Jesus Christ returns. 
or when you go see him before that moment, whichever comes first. Jesus is sort of acting like a financial advisor and market timer. And he's advising us to switch investment vehicles and transfer our funds on earth, which is volatile and ready to take a permanent dive and switch your investments to heaven, which is totally dependable and insured by God himself and is coming soon forever to change this world and the global economy. Would you clap your hands if you're looking for Jesus Christ? The financial forecast for the earth is dark and bleak, but Jesus is unreservedly bullish about investing in heaven's market where every indicator is eternally positive and promising great dividends. Here's what Jesus said. It's the best investment advice you can ever have. Matthew 6, 20. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. You say, is Jesus against me storing up treasure for myself? No. He's not against it. He's all for it. In fact, he commanded you to do it. But he's saying, don't store up treasure in the wrong place where thieves can steal it, where rust can corrupt it. That's any bank account. That's any investment company. That's any stock, any bond, any mattress, or any pickle jar buried in your backyard. What financial advisor in this world is going to guarantee you a 10,000% increase? Jesus did. He said, your investment in my kingdom will pay off a hundredfold. You know why you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul on the way to the cemetery? Because you can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. John D. Rockefeller's accountant was asked how much money John D. left behind when he died. And the accountant said he left all of it. Story of a wealthy man dies, gets to heaven. I've told this before, but this is the beauty of old age. I meet the best, most fun people every day. And so this, this old man, this wealthy old man died, went to heaven. St. Peter met him at the pearly gate. By the way, I'd like to see the oyster spun that pearl. And so uh, he gets to the pearly gates and, and he says, well, Peter, I'm here. I'd like to see my mansion. Peter said, oh, yeah, come on. So he takes him down the road. They see a mansion over here on the left. And go, the guy smiled. He said, oh, that's got to be my mansion right there. That's amazing. He said, no, no, no. He said, well, whose is it? He said, oh, that's your third grade Sunday school teacher. Goes, my third grade Sunday school teacher got that mansion. I was the wealthiest man in town. What am I going to get? Peter said, come on, I'll show you. So he takes me down a little bit further, and over on the right, there was a mansion twice that size. He goes, I know, that's it right there. He said, well, no, not so fast. He said, well, whose is that? He said, that was the missionary that came by about 10 years ago. He said, the missionary? The little missionary got that mansion? What is my mansion going to look like? Peter said, well, I'll show you. They went a little bit further. And they crossed the railroad tracks. <laughs> you didn't know heaven had railroad tracks. And they weave, 
come down the end of the neighborhood and they come up on a shotgun shack, front doors hanging on one hinge. The windows have been busted out. The drapes are blowing through the windows. The place is a filthy mess. Peter smiles and says, welcome to your eternal abode. And the wealthy man said, there's got to be a mistake. He said, the lousy Sunday school teacher got that. And the lousy missionary got that. I'm the wealthiest man in town. What's going on? Peter said, well, to be honest, we did the best with what you sent us. <laughs> Can I tell you that in heaven, a lot of wrongs are going to be right. And I have a revelation for somebody today. Everything in this earth is going to end up in the junkyard. That ought to make you smile. Everything ends up in the junkyard. We had little Cohen's fourth birthday party yesterday. He's opening one gift after another. And I've got this message in my heart. I'm thinking, well, that's going to end in the junkyard. Well, he's all excited about that. That's going to the junkyard. He's like, this is going to change my life. I'm like, nope, that's going to the junkyard. <laughs> what kind of a grandpa am I? Well, Cohen, have a nice birthday. All your gifts are going to the junkyard. <laughs> but not today. <laughs> everything you wear, everything you drive, everything you play with, everything you live in is going to end up in the junkyard. Christmas present, birthday present. Vehicles, boats, four-wheelers, hot tubs, everything goes to the junkyard. Things that kids fuss over, things that friendships are lost over, things that people sacrifice their character and integrity for, things that broke up marriages, and things that people lost their jobs over, and lost their cool over, and lost their freedom over. It's all going to end up in the junkyard. Amen. So why don't you make Jesus the King of Kings? Why don't you become his CFO today and be his partner and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to be in partnership with God. Oh uh, yeah, stand with me. Stand with me. I, I get the message. You've heard enough. God does not bless us to raise our standard of living, but he blesses us to raise our standard of giving. Can I put a little word on you? I want the ushers to pass out these cards. If you're a wage earner, just wave at the usher when they walk by. If you don't have a job, but you want a job, you want a better job, wave at them. This is how you get one. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously gets what? A generous crop. You must each decide in your heart. Look at that. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now listen, 
If you gave today, but you gave it and you were grumpy, we'll still take it. But you won't get as good a blessing. Look at verse 8. God will gener- look at generously. God will how? Not frugally, generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I have a word right now. This just came to me right now. This is the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you why you don't have more. Because you haven't been faithful. God's not sure if he can trust you. This thing about, please hear me, don't be distracted. This thing about money and finances is a trust issue. And if you will be faithful with God's stuff, it's not your stuff, it's his stuff. It's not my stuff, it's his stuff. And if you want more, you got to be faithful with a little. Because Jesus said if you're faithful with a few things, he will make you ruler over many things. Man. Verse 9, as the scripture says, they shall, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Forever. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's for you. Lay up for yourself. There's only one way you can do that. You have to give to God. There's only one way you can give to God, through your local church. There's charitable gifts. There's non-for-profit places where you can give. But if you're in the body of Christ, your focus of giving is your local church where you're under spiritual authority, where you're being fed and equipped and challenged and loved and prayed for and cared for so that you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. Verse 10, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. The same way he will provide and increase your resources. Look at this. He will produce a great harvest of what? Generosity. Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. Say, what's my ministry? Do I get to direct the choir? We'll start with giving. And we'll talk about it. You and Dr. Larmy and I will talk about it. Two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. They will joyfully express their thanks to God. Notice this. As a result of your giving, your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient. Everybody say obedient. What is our love language to God? Obedience. They will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace of God. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. My brothers and sisters, my friends, the only way to be promoted by God is to get this right. That's the only way God's ever going to promote you. Say, well, I wish I could do more. Start here. 
I wish I could have a title, start here. I wish I had great honor in the church, start right here. Do you think David Bernard became our general superintendent by robbing God? Do you think he'd be promoted by being a thief? No way. No way. In fact, the older you get, hopefully the less in debt you are, and the more you can give. And you don't have to wait to be my age to get there. But if you'll be faithful here, you'll be promoted by God. I think we just need a witness right now. How many have proven what I've preached today? How many have proven it? Jesus said, God said, test me. Look at this, testimonies all across this house today. I'm going to... There's people here today since they've been coming to the Life Church got saved and their wallets and purses got baptized when they got baptized. <laughs> in fact, today we're starting that. When you get baptized, if you're getting baptized today, leave your wallet in your back pocket. Their income has doubled. I just talked to somebody this week, pastor, actually it was a week ago, Friday. Pastor, my income has tripled. (laughs) Who can do that? This isn't prosperity day, this is obedience. This is obedience. Come on, let's testify. Has God ever blessed you financially because you were a partner with him? Are you doing better today than you've ever done in your life? We're witnesses. We're witnesses. You say, well, pastor, I wish you'd pray over my finances. I would really like to. But the only way I can do that is if you're in covenant. Because if you're not in covenant, my prayers will not be answered. In fact, there's a devourer that's coming after your resources if you're not in covenant with God. That's what the Bible says. But if you give, he rebukes the devourer. This is the path to spiritual transformation. We've demonstrated that from the word of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Because money is spiritual. I can't pray that God will bless you unless you're a giver. Not a tipper. A tither. Unless you tip 20%. Then you're better than a tither. And let me just say one more thing. Well, tithing was in the Old Testament. Oh, really? Well, I thought grace took everything to a new level. It did. So I don't know what your plan is, but it's better than law. So have a nice day. Let's just go with what's established. I don't know. There's no theologian that can argue a certain pattern like there was in the Old Testament. But Jesus endorsed it when he talked to the Pharisees about their tithing. He wasn't against their tithing. He celebrated it. Just they had the wrong attitude about it. So here today, 
I've already read this to you. I'm not going to read it again. You don't have to sign it. It's up to you. You don't have to date it. You don't even have to turn it in. But if you're saying today, Pastor, in 2023, I really want to see God do something in my life financially. I've struggled. I've battled. I want to dethrone the idol of wealth and possessions. And I will do that by giving it away. And I want you to share with us. This is the only place in the whole Bible where God said, trust me, test me. He invited us to test him. The Bible said, God hath not been tempted by any man. He won't be tempted, but he invites us to test him. He said, see if I will not pour you out a blessing. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.